Good evening, everyone. Tonight, we talk about a movie that slipped past us somehow. For two years, we actually did not know about this film. Right, Mike? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hate when that happens. What's up, everybody? We are back for a brand new episode of Necromaniacs Podcast, the horror podcast. How you doing, Mr. Hill? I'm doing well, and I'm uh, I'm happy to hear that you're you're doing better too, Mike. I you know everyone saw on social media that you came down with uh, COVID nineteen, so I, I'm glad to see you're you're back in action. Yes, it was uh, an early Christmas present. Uh, I got it a few days before Christmas. <laughs> um, wasn't feeling well. I knew something was up, and it's funny. My mom was like. Well, before you, you come see us and before we go to your uncle's house, I'm supposed to go to my uncle's house out in Long Island, you know, you should get a test. And I'm like, okay, I'll get a test. And I thought it would be, you know, negative. Um, I, I got to be honest, I was not 100% sure it would be negative, but it was positive. And uh, yeah, um, lost the sense of taste and smell, you know, which seems to be one of the key factors for a lot of people, though not for everybody. And just, you know, general feeling like crap. But I feel like with each passing day, the taste and the smell are getting better. And I'm just, you know, feeling a little more normal. I just have this, like, lingering cough, which I hope goes away at some point. But my doctor actually gave me some good cough medicine for it. And uh, hopefully that'll do the trick. But yeah, you know, COVID sucks. Try to stay safe out there, everybody. And and thank you for your concern, Mr. Hill. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that you're you're fit, you know, and you're doing well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the 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 Reaper came for me. I mean, I dodged this thing since March 2020, man. You know, uh, I, I thought I was one of those immune people, but I am not immune. <laughs> I am not one of those people. No. Uh, I am the only one in my actual immediate family that has gotten it. None of my brothers ever got it. And, you know, my mom. So, you know, first one. All right. And speaking of family, uh, I wanted to give a shout out to our buddies at Break the Apocalypse podcast. Uh, New episodes drop every Friday. And listeners, I am going to be a guest on uh, this week's episode. Uh, they, they tape them on Thursdays and they, they you know, they, they get them out there on Fridays. So please check out by the time you hear this, the latest episode of break the apocalypse. Uh, it should be a, a fun episode. We're going to do like, you know, a, a year in review, 2021 in review, Mike. That's good. That's good, man. I'm going to tune in for that on Friday. It should be fun. Yeah. You know, I, I have uh, fuck all to do since all of my plans got canceled. You know, a 12 day vacation down the down the shitter. Uh, but I have been watching a lot of stuff. So, you know, I, I finally started watching Succession on HBO and I, I fucking really love it. I'm almost completely caught up with it. Uh, it's three seasons so far. They just finished season three. Uh Really cool. It's about a very rich, shitty family and all the shenanigans that go along with it. And, uh, you know, filmed it in, in New York City and a lot of very familiar, uh, you know, exterior shots, so to speak. Um, but I like the show a lot. I mean, Brian Cox is amazing. It's got a really cool cast and interesting show. Not horror, folks, but it's uh, fun nonetheless. 
And uh, tomorrow is a big day because tomorrow is the Book of Boba Fett on Disney Plus, Michael. That should be cool. Yeah, I I haven't stayed up on the Star Wars stuff, but I'm probably gonna we're gonna check that out too. And uh, another really cool thing dropping on the 29th, uh, December 29th, uh, which will pique the, the the ears of a bunch of our listeners, is uh, the Times Square Killer on Netflix from Joe Berlinger, who uh, brought us uh, the Paradise Lost films, and uh, it also has a nice tie into the Rialto Report. Uh, because uh, the folks at the Rialto Report, I believe, were uh, producers on this thing or advisors. So that looks really cool. Times Square Killer. That I'm really looking forward to. I, I heard an interesting uh, statistic about true crime that a lot of white women like that sort of genre. I'm going to say nearly every white woman I know <laughs> like true crime. Nearly, I'm, I, and I'm not stretching it. I'm even talking brand new women that I meet in my in my travels and in my in my leisure time. Every single one of them loves true crime. Pretty fun. The real irony of that is that back in the '90s, I was really into true crime, and I don't think white women really were into it back then. No, it was definitely more of a. All right, I'll just. It was more of a of a of a scuzzier thing. I'm gonna yeah. say a little yeah. more of a. Um, you know, thing that might have skewed in your metal or punk or weirdo world, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you, know, Industrial, of, you know, right, or horror, horror world. Yep. But I'm going to in the last 20 years, less than 20 years, I would say, it has become extremely female friendly. Yeah, pretty wild. <clears throat> kind, so, of blew, kind of blew my mind a little bit when I found that stat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, I, I mean, demographically, it's it's wild. But uh, hey, man, it's it's interesting across the board. I mean, and, and this looks like it's going to be really cool. It's it's right up our alley, and I'm sure we we may even end up doing a a deeper dive on it maybe once it's uh, wrapped up. I think that's a strong possibility, Mike, because uh, I've been really looking forward to it as well. It's got a lot of cool little you know clicks a lot of boxes as they say, but. Uh, yeah, excited to be a guest on the old Break the Apocalypse. I'd like to give a couple of shouts. Uh, first and foremost, Brandon Legion. He's uh, mm-hmm. you know always been a been a buddy, and um, I've been on his show a couple of times, and he's come on Everything Went Black and Necromaniacs and all that. And I also want to give a shout to uh, Into the Necrosphere by Jackie Smith. And uh, mm-hmm. if you like black metal, listen to Into the Necrosphere, man. He comes hard with black metal um very very much uh knowledgeable guy um covers a lot of bands i learned about a lot of bands through listening to his show and he's uh he's a good dude i've i've been on there a couple times like i'm gonna be uh on his uh podcast early next year which is like actually in two weeks so uh so yeah you know he's he's a solid guy and uh definitely check it out if you're into black metal yeah, I've been on I've been on a bit of a of a tear with uh, Drudka and Windswept and uh, all the the offshoot bands of, of Drudka. There's like seven of them, and uh, that stuff is great. And uh, also on the listening front, I've, I've got the new Concrete Winds, which is more you know death metal from Sweden, really like brutal, over the top uh, death metal. And uh, been listening to Catatonia this week. Oh yeah, Brave nice. Day. 
Brave Murder Day, probably one of the greatest, one of my absolute favorite metal albums of all time. And I've actually gotten into Chemist, Mike, the heavy metal band, the American heavy metal band Chemist. Oh, yeah? On 20 Books Spin. Any I good? like it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not, I never really, I figured they were like like a fat guy with beard band. You know what I mean? Okay, kind of, sort of. They're kind of in, uh, I know what you're saying. But that doesn't mean people who are not fat and bearded can appreciate it. <laughs> I'm not fat. I have a slight beard going on. But I'm not one of those type of bros that I think you're thinking of, Mr. Hill. But, uh, no, I think they're really good. They, they do, you know, do some good um, new American heavy metal. I mean, there's a lot of bands doing that now. And I'm a little picky with it. And, and I happen to think they do it well. And... Uh, yeah, I got my last night in Soho uh, vinyl from Mondo. Nice, uh, which is pretty cool. It's the score, the the soundtrack. I have to pick up. It's like a separate release. There's like so much fucking music in that they spread it out on the two LPs. Uh, so yeah, and I've been been running a lot of uh, Migla, even though that is not how the the name is pronounced. That's how I pronounce it. Uh, love that band. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great, man. They're they're one of my favorites, man. Sweden. I'm not sorry, Sweden. Poland. Yeah. Poland is uh, well represented in uh, extreme music, man. Especially black metal. A lot of great bands from Poland. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, man. So that that's kind of what I've been been grooving on. I haven't been reading anything because I think since because I got the the Rona, and I like calling it the Rona. Um, it's more of like a like a I've been watching stuff rather than reading, even though I have things to read. Yeah, yeah. when I went through my COVID-19 experience, I, I, I had a headache, so it was kind of hard to, to concentrate when I tried to read. So for a few days, yeah. I, was, yeah, I was off the books for a few days, you know, for me. Right, right. I got to get back into the books because I got some, got some cool shit to read, you know. And um, uh, kind of a random tidbit, speaking of reading, uh, somebody died today, a guy who I – used to read his books a lot in the 90s and he did a really cool batman story back in the, in the late 80s andrew vox died remember yeah. andrew vox? oh of course man he's uh mm -hmm. he's like a classic man like he's a you know great uh crime fiction writer mm -hmm. as well yeah. as uh providing yeah. some storylines for batman you know doing some scripting for batman he was great yeah and he was a big crusader for children's rights and and you know child abuse and dogs, animal abuse as well. Um, uh, yeah, he was, uh, I believe, 78 or 79 years old. He died today. I, I learned that from Brian Keene's feed. And I was like, wow, I hadn't thought about Andrew Vax in so long. Um, I definitely have his books somewhere in one of my, my bins. Um, there was a time when I think it was I was reading, a, like, whenever his new shit was coming out, I was reading it. And, uh, yeah, really cool crime writer, interesting guy. Uh, stylishly had an eye patch from an injury as a child, an eye injury. Not many men can rock an eye patch, Mike Hill. Uh, yeah, he did. Maybe, uh, maybe Adam Ant, you know? Yeah, Adam Ant, <laughs> people, you know. But uh, yeah, rest in peace to you, good sir. I, uh, I've been uh, checking out like uh, a lot of this like Australian stuff, man. Like the the Amenta, uh, mm. Black Helm, Psychroptic. Uh, tons of uh, you know great Australian extreme music. You know, of course, mm -hmm. uh, Destroyer Six Six Six, one of my, one of my favorites oh, yeah. from from Down Under. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, there's there's good bands down there, man. 
I mean, um, uh, Nocturnal Grave. Yeah. Uh, Nocturnal Graves, I can't think right now. Uh, but yeah, Rich History. Uh, Bestial Warlust, which is like the pre-Destroyer 666 band. They were fucking awesome. Um, yeah, a, lo- a lot of wild stuff down there. I think it's the 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 heat and the very disturbing crawly creatures. Maybe that creates the metal. No, what do you think? Probably, you know. And there, there's um, there, there's there's one guy down there. His name is uh, Dave Healy, who's in like mm-hmm. almost every newish band down there. He's in Werewolves. He's in the Amenta. He's in Psychroptic. Mm. A, a Bramelin, which is like more of a classic death metal band. But he's like this kind of um, just fucking all around sick death metal drummer. And mm. he's like the man behind a bunch of stuff that's going on in Australia right now. That's cool. I'll check some of those bands out. That's great, man. Yeah. I don't think he's in Black Helm, but, uh, but he's in mm. some of the other bands I talked about. Nice. Yeah. As you see, folks, we keep up. We keep up with the metal here on the uh, on the Necromaniacs podcast, you know. Yeah, I don't, I don't. There are people I know out there, you know, that are you know in our age group that are just like, oh, I don't, there's no good movies or bands anymore. I'm like, <laughs> what the yeah. fuck, man? What you got your fucking eyes closed? I mean, there's tons of great shit going on in the world, and I, I refuse to be fucking jaded about anything, man. I have friends. I mean, you know, metalheadish friends or older friends and even some friends in the hardcore scene that are just like so stuck in the past and it's like there are so many good new bands it's like in every in literally every genre i mean there's just so much happening and it's almost like saying at horror there are no good new horror movies it's just not true it's like there's tons of stuff out there is all of it good no but to say none of it is good is completely wrong. I well, mean, there, there are is, definitely people out there who don't don't think anything new has come out at all. Like as far as like horror goes, either you know, yeah. just like, like how many times are you gonna watch Phenomenon? You know what I mean? Or fucking, mm. you know, I mean those are great. You know, all these movies are great. You know, but like there's more interesting, cool stuff that still comes out that you can check out. You know, and and you know, and yeah, on the like, on the music front, it's like. The people who are like, oh, yeah, there's no good new bands are the first ones to buy tickets for, like, these fucking reunion shows that go on. And I think that's a drag, you know. Reunion shows or just to see the nothing but the dinosaur shows. Like, that's it, yeah. you know. Like, I don't know. That doesn't do a lot for me. Like, it's it's weird. I'm very weird. Like, like as much as I love, like, I love this, like, old old testament and old exodus like yeah yeah totally i hear their new records i gotta be honest i don't get as excited as hearing a newer band's new record i don't like i like i like it but i don't rush to put it on when i'm at home i probably would rather hear their older records but sometimes the new material from a band that's 10 years or under or 15 years or under gets me more kind of excited i don't know i I guess it's because i'm in tune with newer stuff maybe well in the case of uh of testament i gotta be honest with you probably the last testament record i really listened to was uh souls of black okay that's a very long time ago yeah they put out some good things that yeah yeah, but i mean that but that was more like 1990 ish you know so it was kind of after the you know like the the heyday of thrash i guess the late, it's like the late thrash uh, year. Like 1990s is, is a very interesting year because you had some great 
thrash metal records, but it is literally its last great year. Right. Literally. But I got to say, Exodus has actually put out some cool stuff over the last uh, several years. You know, there's the, the new ones, yeah. the Persona Non Grata. It's yeah, actually it's pretty hard. good. It and is then, hard. Yeah. And then uh, uh, the Atrocity Exhibition, part A and B, or whatever the hell. You know, I think there was, was mm-hmm. there a part, is there a part B to that? Yeah. I'm sure, actually. <laughs> it's, uh, that actually took me by surprise, man. I, I um, you know, I, I, I love old Exodus, you know, obviously, but I remember I was on tour in like, I don't know, 20, 2009 or 10, and the driver we had was playing that, both of those, uh, there are two. It's called Exhibit B, and then there's mm-hmm. Exhibit A or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like fucking pretty stoked because it was like an old band with like a more modernized kind of sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway. I mean, it- it, it, it varies. It varies, yeah. you know. I mean, but I think it's because I I like and listen to so much stuff after the year two thousand that that has become that has become my like norm. You know, it's become like what I really want to put on, which is interesting. You know, for a guy that is not super young, I'm not super old, but I'm not super young. Yeah. Um, I think it's because I've had such a good time with this music and, and experiencing this music, you know? So, yeah, yeah of course. You know. But for, for my, yeah. you know, for me, for my money, death, death and black metal are really some of the more creative subgenres out there in the, in the extreme metal world. You know, I think like, yeah, I mean, especially some of the newer black metal, a lot of the stuff is, combining things that i've always loved that you know like like fields of the nephilim and this kind of dark you know rock stuff mm-hmm. is creeping into a lot of a lot of newer black metal which i'm really stoked about yeah and like with with new death and black metal i just feel like there's there's something for everybody out there i mean the, the, the sub genres and styles and I mean, e- even like, you know, the old guard, like Carcass, they're still putting out pretty solid records. If you still want to support older death metal, there's shit tons of that to go around. If you want to support new bands, I mean, wow, I don't even know where to begin to tell somebody about n- new death metal bands. There's, there's tons of good ones. Um, but it, it's like this very long kind of almost renaissance period happening that if, if you're like shut off from that, I almost feel bad for you. I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. You know, just everyone should keep an open mind about everything, you know? Agree. And you could kind of wrap it into this movie tonight. Okay. Sure. It's an example of a movie that is new. Uh, we missed it upon its release though. It is a 2020 release of an American horror film. My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Uh, it's almost got a bit of an Italian jello title. Doesn't it, Mike? I was thinking the same thing about the title. You yes, know, it's it's one of these like you know long verbose titles, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this. When I first saw that show up, I don't know how I heard about this film either. It just kind of like someone was talking about it in a podcast, maybe, or I read about it. Maybe it was uh, uh-huh. Rue Morgue or something, and I immediately thought that it would be like a black gloved knife wielding murderer or something, <laughs> you know. But it is not, listeners. Um, it is a cool American indie. Uh, I'm, I'll say vampire film, uh, but it is not your typical vampire film in the slightest. Um, it is a great, interesting new take uh, on vampirism, 
and on, uh, you know, small cast independent filmmaking, Mike? I would say I hate this term, but this movie kind of loosely falls into what some people call mumblecore. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes. I, I, it's funny you say that because, I mean, there are literal, literal moments in the movie that I had to kind of rewind because I couldn't, I had to make sure I, you know, was hearing it properly because it is a very quiet, low film. Um, not to the point of annoyance, listeners, but you'll, you'll see what we mean uh, if you see it or if you have seen it, you might know what we're talking about. It kind of sort of treads that water, Mike. I don't know. I don't want to say that completely because it, I feel like that could shut some motherfuckers off, but a little bit. Well, well, let's just say it has a very naturalistic dialogue sort of vibe going on in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's shot in, in that kind of cool way that I've referenced before where it's like for moments you feel like you forget you're watching a movie. Like, right. It's got that those kind of scenes. I would liken this to uh, a movie that Jeff and I talked about a few episodes ago called uh, The Deeper You Dig by the Adams Family. And yep. that movie also had very naturalistic dialogue, was uh, ex expertly shot and executed. And I would say that these two films, though they have nothing really in common beyond that sort of production value, I, would, I, could, I could put these on as like a double feature and really enjoy it. Hmm. I'm going to even say it has the spirit of, of like a habit, you know? A oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, um, I can see that. Bit, you know, it like, it looks like it, I mean, it didn't cost a ton of money. I would say the production values are, are, are a bit better here in certain ways uh, than in habit. Um, they, these two would make, I think, an interesting kind of double double feature too, in a weird way. Um, uh, this movie has... <laughs> really interesting kind of sense of, of darkness to it though. Right. And, and kind of dread. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Also, th isn't this uh, the, the first film for the first feature length film for the writer director, Jonathan yeah, uh, Quartus? Director Jonathan C-U-A-R-T-A-S Quartus. Jonathan Quartus wrote and directed this film. It is his first movie. Uh, he did prior to this, he did uh, several shorts. Uh, one is called The Horse and the Stag from 2018. However, uh, the prior short from that is called Kuru. And uh, the tag on that is a man yearns to escape the familiar obligation of murdering strangers to feed his crippled cannibalistic brother. Well, basically, folks. That is the plot of My Heart uh, Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, only it adds a sister into the mix. It is a brother and sister uh, who basically struggle to feed a very ill younger brother, and what they have to feed him is blood. And in order to do this, they have to commit horrible acts, basically, and we all know what those horrible acts are. Murder. <laughs> so that short was kind of like a demo for this movie. Yeah, much like there was the Habit lead-up in the 80s uh, for for Habit. So, yeah, very interesting. Hmm, how about that? More in common. Very, uh, very small cast. We got uh, Patrick Fugit as Dwight. Mm -hmm. Owen Campbell as Thomas. Ingrid Sophie Schramm as Jesse. And uh, Katie 
Preston as Pat the Hooker. <laughs> yes. Um, Patrick Fugit, listeners, you know him from Almost uh, almost Famous, huh? Um, it's funny. I didn't realize it was him. Neither did first. I, actually. I, I, didn't even, I didn't know his name either. But now that you say it, the face. Yeah, the, the face. He, 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 if you, you know, I, I'm not going to say he looks completely unrecognizable, but he does look quite a bit different from back in the day of that film. Um, and, you know, he's done some other stuff since then, obviously. But this is a fucking interesting role for Patrick Fugit. He, he fucking, you know, axed the shit out of this as the uh, older brother Dwight. What do you think? He was great. And, and one of the things that I, I just want to, you know, kind of riff on this a little bit is, uh, you know, we talk about it being like a mumblecore sort of film with like naturalism mm -hmm. and all that. And the, the character of Dwight is definitely that type of character you know, that would mm. be at home in any film that's like made in that style where he's, you know, he's got a beard. He's kind of like, you know, like frumpy, wears like flannel shirts, like that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. He looks like a guy you would see at a bar in New York, either alone <laughs> or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He just, he has like that interesting look to him. And listeners may also recognize him, Mike Hill, from the very short lived. Uh, Cinemax horror series Outcast based on the comic book. Dude, the comic was so fucking good, and yeah. I, I kind of wish they'd they'd continued with that, you know. I know, I know. Cinemax just did a very weird thing with like where they 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 dipped their toes in the original programming pool, and they they wound up st you know sticking with some of that action kind of stuff, and then they didn't stick around with the stuff like Outcast and. Uh, what was that 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 uh, period piece drama with the doctor uh, set in New York? The Nick, oh, the like Nick, it, yep. they, yeah, yeah. That, technically, in my opinion, that probably should have just been on HBO, which was was actually really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, kind of a weird timing for that. And our okay. favorite uh, Banshee, Banshee, yes, <laughs> probably the single greatest piece of original programming out of Cinemax. Uh, and I love that Banshee lives on on HBO Max. So. Everybody who has still not watched Banshee, you must watch Banshee on HBO Max. Right, Mike? It's great. I, I was late to it, but I, I totally... I watched it over the pandemic, man. It was great. I fucking oh love God. it. Fucking wonderful. Uh, yeah, very small cast. Uh, Ingrid Sophie Schramm as Jesse. She... It's interesting. I feel like uh, early in the film, she's, you know... You feel like she's a bit on the on the, the softer, lighter side, but she but she's actually the alpha fucking bitch demon. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, he turns out to be the heel. Let's just say. Yeah, and Dwight is just like her pawn, and uh, you get you get the sense that he wants a better life for himself too. You know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's also in uh, the new uh, movie Licorice Pizza that I want to see that has a bunch of heat on it. Apparently, oh, uh, right. controversial uh, licorice pizza uh, having to do with a, a, a 25 year old woman and a 15 year old uh, young man um, from what do you call it? The director of Boogie Nights. Uh, what the hell's his name? Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. So I want to see that licorice pizza. People movie. people don't like that. They don't like that setting. Uh, apparently <laughs> it's getting some heat, getting some heat in the storyline. I don't know. I, I don't know too much about it, but I was reading about it today. And, and, you know, I think Tim Dillon had, had mentioned it on his podcast that it was 
getting a little little bit of a uh, little bit of beef going on with some some outlets about that movie. Like like people uh, you know think it's inappropriate or they're outraged by oh, no, it. Yeah, that... they think it's inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. I... Um, but apparently there's way more to the movie, and apparently they don't actually even really do anything and blah blah blah. But I don't know. There's like a, a word on the street about the movie. Um, but honestly, I'll see anything Paul Thomas Anderson yeah. does. He's fucking amazing director. I'm sure the movie is good. I, I, I bet it is. And I have one thing to say to those people who are using that angle to not like it. Mm-hmm. And that is cut it out. Yeah. And I bet these people have not seen the movie. That's probably, probably the biggest. Not. Yeah. Probably have not seen the movie. That's, you have to see something you're against. Right, Mike? That's you know, it, it, it's funny. Uh, one of the things I watched before we, we um, you know, talked tonight was the, uh, the Lydia Lunch documentary. My, oh, the, the war okay. is never over. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear what her views are on how, on how the, the pearl clutching that goes on these days about these very difficult uh, topics. Mm. You know? It's funny. I remember her as a little sidebar, kids. I grew up going to CBGB's in New York City in, in the late 80s. And all the hardcore shows were on Sunday. But during the week, there'd be all sorts of interesting acts going on and then i remember like she would be somebody who would play there on like a friday or a saturday mike yeah and i was always kind of intrigued because i would see her flyers and like see her record covers and i'd be like i mean i knew it wasn't hardcore music and i was like what is this and like i think one of my friends was like well that's like freak stuff <laughs> you know? oh, yeah, like, it, it is yeah it's that's my memory of her that is my memory of, of, of that woman it's kind of funny like uh, not having a memory having like just this kind of like weird side like view you know yeah I, so it would check that documentary out in, in like the late 80s, I remember I was starting to listen to like Neubauten and the Swans and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of those like New York bands like uh, James Chance and the Contortions. And uh, mm-hmm. and that's how I backed into Lydia Lunch's music. And then I got into her, her some of her writing and I saw her in the Richard Kern films and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I've been a fan of hers for uh, since then. I haven't read all of her material, but she's like. Someone I look at is like one of these like kind of um, groundbreaking, you know, female, like strong, powerful women, you know. It's funny, like, I mean, she's not like Gigi Allen over the top or anything. No, not like that to that extent. In that era when he was making his bones in the late 80s, early 90s, she was doing her thing. And it's funny. It's just like I remember all these kind of like New York-y kind of acts and you know, artists I, I would hear about, and, and she was one of them. You know, I heard about her often when I was like a teenager. Yeah, yeah she's out there, man. She's still doing it. That's amazing. That's great. I definitely will watch that documentary. But um, yeah, uh, as far as Thomas, the younger brother, I almost got like that, these weird Jared Leto vibes from him. Did you? Yeah, he had those same creepy Jared Leto eyes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the voice, yep. like this, almost like kind of androgynous and kind of like just just creepy you know creepy being the key word uh on that show the americans uh that i i never really did the full deep dive on it but i always wanted to watch the americans did you watch that i saw like the first couple episodes and i thought it was pretty cool but i just i haven't followed up on it really yeah yeah um 
Yeah, he he kind of looks like a dude who who like with you know in this movie with his long hair, like he might be in like a band or something. But like you know, like some kind of weird, creepy band. <laughs> yeah, like one one or one of those kind of um, like those bands that are really popular these days that play like punk in, influenced <laughs> uh, like yeah goth kind of. Like right, that band, yeah, like that, gothish. yeah, like that band so Uniform gothish. or something like that. Like you'd be in a band yeah. like that, you know? <laughs> or something on Hospital Records, maybe. Maybe, maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he is suffering from an unknown ailment, folks. Um, and there are some real weird things in this movie, and, and something that's of, of grave importance is that what you don't know. Is, is like a very big factor. They do not supply you with, in this movie with a lot of information, Mike. They really don't tell you anything because um, there's no backstory. And and for, I would say, a large portion of this film, I thought that it might have been like um, a delusional thing. You know? mm. Like it was just like, okay, well, or maybe the sister made it up and he was, she was forcing him to like be this you know, sort of reclusive shut-in, you know? Right, right. Or, like, it was one of those, like, Stockholm Syndrome things or, yes. or Munchausen Syndrome or whatever where, like, you know, they're, like, he's not sick. They have made him this way or blah, yeah. blah, blah. You kind of don't know. But then as the movie goes along, it's pretty fucking clear that he he is, to me, a, a vampire. Uh, a, he does not go outside. He is blocked from the sunlight. Uh, he basically only gets any kind of strength at all after he has ingested blood. And his brother and sister have to basically procure homeless people and, and just like dregs of society to get this blood. And yeah. Dwight uh, has clearly reached his ceiling of this lifestyle. I mean, we imagine... This has been going on for a long time, right? Probably his whole life. Probably the whole life of uh, of, of Thomas. You know? But <laughs> yeah. the funny, yeah, it, the movie opens actually with one of the best lines. Like the first dialogue in the film was is uh, Dwight and this homeless guy are driving in a car, and the homeless guy uh, tells Dwight that I won't suck your dick. That was like literally the first line right. of the oh, movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like part of me is like, what the fuck is going on here, man? You know, and then. Sure enough, we, we learn that he's been surviving, uh, mm. from Thomas has been surviving on a steady diet of probably very unhealthy people's blood. Yes, and there's another great line in the very beginning. When they pull up to the house, which is their house, they're, they're literally bringing them to the place where they live. Like They're not even like doing it some off-site or whatever. The homeless guy goes, this doesn't look like a homeless shelter. And Dwight says, oh, it is. And he goes, looks like someone's home. And then he goes, it used to be. He says it very quietly. Did you remember that? Something like that? He says, yeah. It used to be. I like, do. Very kind of sad sounding. Yeah, mm. definitely. You know, and uh, yeah, there's there's some brutal scenes in there with, it, with these several several of these um, these homeless gentlemen get offed and become meals for Thomas. Yeah. Uh, listeners, I just want you to know. I'm not dying. Uh, the cough is from COVID. I know you probably listened to the prior podcast where I was also sick. I'm not a sickly man. 
It's just, you know, it just seems to be what's happening. I am okay. Right, Michael? You're doing great, man. I, I You sound fine, man. And uh, and it's funny, the last <laughs> few months, like, we, we had to miss a week because Jeff was on sick leave because uh, he yeah. did not have COVID, but he was sick. We did an episode where I had COVID and you just had a cold. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, we're the fucking walking wounded, man. You know, we're, yeah, we're making it. Up, yeah, we're, we're, we're in the home stretch. <laughs> We not there won't be any any benefits just yet. We're doing okay. Everything is gonna be fine. And just want to put that out there, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> because you know, the coughing and all the COVID coughing. But um, yeah, uh, that's the thing. I feel like uh, l- listeners who are into kind of like movies that are dark and kind of depressing. Or, and kind of just very kind of real, uh, this is going to be something for you. I mean, even if you're not a vampire person, you do not need to be a vampire person for this particular movie, Mike. No, definitely. And, and you know, there's like a very pervasive sense of uh, unhappiness, longing, uh, isolation. Um, mm. You know, uh, I mean, there's, there's actually... Um, Thomas like has no idea like what time of year it is. Like, you know, he, yeah. he talks about playing with the other kids and, you know, he's just stuck in this isolationist solipsistic sort of world, you know? And it's funny when I put it on um, and I saw like the Christmas tree and Christmas gifts, I went, wait a minute. Can we count this as a Christmas movie? <laughs> Not really a Christmas movie. <laughs> And it, and it turns out that it's not Christmas at all. No, it is April yeah. when this movie takes place. Uh, I actually thought it might have been December. But no, it is not. There's a weird line where he says something uh, uh, where he says something to the effect of I get gifts every month. But if you but if you think about it, Mike, to me what that means is the blood every month. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because this this kid has like no perspective about the the world, really. You know, he's only lived in this house and and had his brother and sister take care of him. So he he's not has no real knowledge of anything. But do you think they give him gifts the same day or whatever night as the as when they do a body? Like, because I feel like it's more than once a month. It was kind of that was a weird line. I I all right. There is the scene where they actually do give him a gift, and they give him that karaoke machine. Yes, they love karaoke. This crazy family, listeners, dude, uh, the karaoke, and it actually plays into the title of the movie. Uh, it, it the, you think the song that they're listening to is called "My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To"? Did my research. That song is called "I'm Controlled by Your Love." Yep. And there's a line in the, that says, "My heart can't beat unless you tell it to." by helene smith uh it's a very kind of haunting soul song yes that's uh that that's a a line from that song and then Mm -hmm. there's a scene where where thomas is karaokeing to a song by this band called uh aiken mannequin (laughs) the song lavender which is like and like aiken mannequin is like this fucking obscure like electronic like uh it's just such a funny selection for this movie really Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like this kind of minimalist electronics, obscure, like hipster song, you know? Yeah, they're this 
They're a very bizarre murdering vampire hipster family, folks. They're very, yeah. you know, they're, they, hey, that doesn't mean these people can't be music snobs, Michael. I mean, hey, you know, just because you're you're massacring homeless people doesn't mean, you know, you're not a music snob. Yeah, who knew? I imagine Dwight probably is the guy with the, the more modern record collection, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes. With the beard, I mean, you know, and everything. <laughs> it's, you know, Thomas, the, the, the young vampiric man, I mean, he just kind of seems so out of it. I don't think he cares about the. I mean, he he seems to like music, but I don't think he knows too much about you know vinyl, Michael. No, I don't know. I no, he but, does. but he could play the piano though. Yeah. Okay. Another thing that tripped me up was, like, what if he's actually much older than we think he is? I don't know. I had all these kind of thoughts about well, it in my head. That you know, it's it's interesting that you say that you know because uh, I I also thought the same thing. You know, but because they don't really go into the lore, they don't. And this movie, though, no. it, though it is about a vampire, it doesn't have the, the the same rules and regulations as your other, you know, vampire films. Like we don't know if he was born that way, if he was turned by someone. Mm. Um, so yeah, the thought did cross my mind that maybe he wasn't even their brother. Like he was like some other family member that just stayed that age. It's weird. Okay. Listeners, if you're looking for a lot of explanations, you're not going to get them. But I feel like this movie is so good, you're not going to care. You're not going to care that you don't know about the parents, you don't know about his vampire backstory. Um, it, it, Mike and I were saying before we started, it's almost like we, like Mike kind of liked that well, all these things that he didn't know, and it kind of made for a more interesting film, like with a lot of cool afterthoughts. And a little part of me was like, you know what? Uh, maybe I could have, maybe I maybe I did want a little something, but honestly, I think ultimately it makes for a, a compelling film that you fucking want to talk about, you know? Oh, I agree, man. And there's a lot of, uh, I mean, I, I could have gone either way. Like if they, if there was like a, you know, a flashback scene to him getting bit by a van, you know, something like that, that would have been fine too. But I also like using my imagination to come up with scenarios about what actually what, what's going on, you know, because there was a point where I thought like we, we touched on earlier where it might have been like a Martin situation or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we uh, something we could delve into. I mean, I don't want to completely spoil the movie, but the, the role of the prostitute uh, is actually very important in this movie. She's one of the other, uh, few other people in the film. Uh, you know, uh, Dwight is a customer of his prostitute to get away from his, you know, horrific fucking life of killing and procuring homeless people. His, his, you know, the way he, he kind of his, uh, take me away from it all is seeing this lovely prostitute and then getting to talk to her. And after they have sex, he pays her a little extra money just so that they could talk. Dude, that was so sad. Yeah. And, and uh, like, also... The thing too is that the other the other source of income that they have is selling the stuff from the people they kill. Yeah. Yes. Like, Dwight is always going to a pawn shop, uh, thrift thrift stores, and uh, selling stuff. It's it's a very dark life. Uh, yeah. Jesse, the the sister, is a waitress in a local diner. Uh, we don't. It's in America. We don't know where in America this is. They never actually say what city it's in. Um, they they they. The, the prostitute and Dwight talk about going to Miami to the water 
because Dwight never gets to see the water. So I'm imagining is in a place that is not near any water and it is not obviously a very pretty place, but uh, not exactly sure what state or city it is. I'm going to um, venture that it's somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, like inland, hmm. like a little bit more inland, you know? Okay. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> totally. Um, Jesse notices Pam, you know, doing her activities, basically, and uh, <laughs> while she's at work one day. And look, they're trying to think of good victims for the brother, and no one, quote unquote, you know, who's going to miss a, a prostitute or whatever. No one would look too hard for a prostitute, she figures. So they think she, you know, she'd make for a perfect uh, victim. But Dwight is like, oh, no, you know, uh, isn't he like, you know, like not her or whatever or, you know, not, not too keen on the idea without actually, of course, telling his sister, I've, you know, I've been banging her. Well, there, there's that scene where she discovers that Dwight is actually uh, a, a regular of hers. And that's when you really start hating, um, you know, uh, you, the sister really shows her true colors as being this vindictive harpy, you know, who just wants Jessica. to hurt, you know, Dwight and keep him under control, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, she, uh, you know, she, she goes to the hotel where she knows that Pam is, is staying at, uh, the, the prostitute. And, uh, you know, gets a room and, you know, concocts a story that her bathroom's broken. She gets the room right next to hers and, you know, uh, gets into a room and the door closes. And we kind of, you know, as the viewer, you kind of figure out, oh, shit, now she's got her or whatever. And uh, they don't show how she manages to get her back to the house. But sure enough, when uh, Dwight and Thomas are home one night, uh, Jesse comes back to the house and she's got a victim with her and sure enough, it's the fucking prostitute and she's got a gold tooth and she uses a fucking wrench to rip Dude. the gold tooth out. Yeah. Oh, that was fucked up scene. Yeah, that's brutal, and man. Dwight is just like, the look on his face, man, wow, it was just this look of just despair and sadness and how could you do this? Dwight does not know that Jesse knows he was banging her. So Dwight is just like beside himself. Yeah, it, it, he, the guy is just a fucking sad sack, man. Like, there's a lot of you have a lot of pathos for for Dwight. You know, you feel for him. Like he's even though he's out there murdering people, mm -hmm. you know, regularly <laughs> and drain <laughs> and draining them of blood. He's you know, he's kind of a sympathetic character, you know. Yes, he's he's the yeah. I mean, he's kind of the you know, quote unquote, heart and soul of the movie, really. Um, you're kind of rooting for him, even though he's not a great guy. Uh, you have no choice, really. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Who, who? I think it's clear, but who would you say the villain in this was? I mean, I don't even see Thomas as a villain. Nope. I mean, he's... Look, he's doing what has come, what is natural to him. He's drinking blood to live, you know? Um, vampires are kind of villains, but they're also, I don't know, they, they, they're doing what comes naturally to them. Um, and he is not a vindictive person. He actually wants a friend. He manages to get a local kid or the neighbor to get into the house. Um, and he isn't trying to eat the guy. Uh, he just wants a friend. Um I mean, yeah, you could say Jesse is, is pretty much the villain in this movie. But in a way, 
I feel like just their whole life is the villain, Mike. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. This whole predicament. Yeah, the situation the is the villain. Yeah. It, it's a dark situation, folks. Um, now, uh, a question for you. I mean, I actually really want people to watch this movie and check it out. So I don't know if I want to say uh, how it all wraps up. What do you think? No, let's that? not do it. Because this is like yeah. a movie that people are just discovering. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, shout out to Retta Evans, you know, my, my, my girl out there in, in, uh, in Arizona, she, um, mm -hmm. texted me last night about watching this movie. And I was like, funny, you should mention that Mike <laughs> and I are actually going to talk about it on the podcast. So, yeah, I, I made a post about it on the horror nerd discussion and two or three people were like, where did this movie come from? <laughs> so you know, it, it's, it's just one of those things. I mean. Basically, it had like, you know, a small film festival release in the summer of 2020. And then Dark Sky, you know, one of the, the many little movie companies out there, like, you know, like your Vinegar Syndromes and your what have you. Dark Sky acquired it uh, at the towards the end of 2020. But I don't think this hit the services until either at some point this year or late last year. But how long could this have been on like Shutter without anybody talking about it? Is my question. I wish, I wish Shutter had little things that said little thing in the corner that said the date it hit the service. I mean, I, but it does not. Um, I didn't. I didn't even know it was on Shutter until you told me it. I I don't even. It's only been like a month or so that I even started hearing about this movie. Yeah, it's in a lot of interesting places. It's on Peacock. It's on Tubi. It's on Vudu, and it is on Amazon Prime. Um, it is a, a great example of a movie that just fucking fell by the wayside. Uh, however, the, the trailers though, some of the trailers, uh, on YouTube make it seem like it's a, you know, it's a brand new 2021 film. And according to Shutter's YouTube, their trailer is only a couple of weeks old. So maybe yeah. it is new to Shutter. Yeah, probably, you know, be, being that this is, uh, you know, Jonathan Quartus's first film, he probably didn't have a lot of heat to get this mm -hmm. thing out there. And, you know, maybe uh, Dark Sky's um, involvement was late in the game. You know, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of films that, that go and debut at festivals, but don't get picked up right away. So maybe this is one of the one of those films. And it just got picked up recently. You know, and that's why it's this kind of piecemeal like re like release. You know, okay, uh, doing a little on on show live research here. It has a Facebook page. Oh, okay. and on July first of this year, it said available now in theaters and digital on on Amazon on July first of this year. I think it's just one of those movies that took a while to percolate that the rights were acquired in twenty twenty. Wow. And it didn't really hit till 2021. That seems to be the case here. Well, you know, these motherfuckers yeah. got to get it together with promotion because <laughs> it's like, dude, no one, I, I never heard of it until like literally yeah. five or six weeks ago. And you would think that, you know, if a PR operation was going on, that this would be, I'm sure like Rue Morgue would have loved this movie. You know what I mean? I, I was, I didn't even read about it in Rue Morgue. 
Okay. It, it, in March of this year, it was at the Penn Dance Film Festival in Ontario. It was all the festivals in 20, early 2021. And then in January, yeah, it was, it was, it was clearly festival circuit only up until the midpoint of this year. So that's why it has that, you know, it's technically it is a 2020 film, but it kind of came out to us in 2021. So damn it. If we would have seen this sooner, it would have completely been in my top five. This this would have been high on my top five actually. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there have been so many great records listeners that came out in December that came out after I put out my top 21 metal records of 2021. And I was like kicking myself because they're all fucking these December records that are great. So it happens. You know, it's funny, man. Like I, I don't, I remember the rec- a lot of shit didn't even come out in December. Like that was like a month that people kind of took off for re- release dates <laughs> right. and whatnot. But the cool thing is like, some of the bands in like the death and black my world, like, like funeral mist Mortis doesn't give a fuck. He drops it when he drops it. You know, there's no, there's no shows. There's no PR. It's like he dropped that shit December 16th, man. And people knew about it two days before, you yeah, know, that, that's a sick record, by the way, the new oh, uh, funeral mist. Yeah. Yeah. The new one is awesome. Um, but in a way that's kind of cool to do it like that. And I, and I like when some of the black and death metal bands just go like, boom, here's the new record. You know, <laughs> true. Yeah. But I think you have to have a certain, I mean, he's got a certain amount of fans to do that. Like he, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, new bands don't have the luxury or, or you know what I'm saying? Lesser known bands don't have that luxury. Sometimes they need to have, it's coming out, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and if they do that, it means that they don't have anyone working their, working their record at all. And they're just them and their <laughs> yeah. Facebook page, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. But uh, yeah, I mean, again, so we're not going to talk about the ending of the movie. We talked about quite a bit of the film, as you can, you know, as you can see, listeners. Uh, I fucking love this movie, Mike. What about you? I love it, man. And uh, I, you know, for me, and I'd I'd be interested to hear other people's theories about some of this stuff too, because um, I I feel like there's like a intentional open endedness to what's actually going on at times in this film and the origin and what, what the deal is with, with, uh, with Thomas and like we were talking about the age thing, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause they don't, they leave it up to you to build up your own backstory, which I think is, is pretty cool actually, you know? Yes. Yes. Um, there's some other victims we didn't get into. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, it's just a great movie. It's not super long. It's not super short. It's, it's definitely, timed very well and i think it's well paced um again you might just want to turn up the volume other than that you know <laughs> yeah uh, it's it, quiet it's a great movie i <clears throat> i actually am giving this a five uh, five out of five i actually really loved it um i almost gave it a 4.5 but uh yeah i, I think it's wow. a fucking amazing debut film amazing i gave it a 4.5 but it could have easily been a five like i, I don't give out too many fives but this this is like a it's on the on the higher level of four point five. You know what I mean? Mm, okay. Like it's yeah, a little I, bit above four point five, but not quite five. I was literally right with you, and then I just went, you know what? Fuck it, man. I I, I you know, this is a fucking really solid debut. Great performances, great subject matter, and 
I said before we started, I love new twists on vampires. You know, yeah. when you when you can put a new twist in it, inject a new story and a new vibe uh, onto something as old as vampirism, then I think you're fucking cool. You're fucking great. You know, you're a good filmmaker and you're a good writer. I look forward to more stuff by uh, Jonathan Quartus. And I also want to try to find those shorts, you know. Yes, totally. Totally want to find those shorts. Um, I wonder what the... Uh, the, the Blu-ray uh, status of this is, I, I imagine it's out on Blu-ray, or it's probably, probably forthcoming. forthcoming yeah. I imagine, you know, what would be great is if like one of these uh, great companies like Vinegar Syndrome or, you know, Severin put, put this together and they include those films. Yeah. Because it says distributed by dark sky films, dark sky puts out physical product as well, but doesn't say anything about, the physical release yet so you never know i mean it, it could be dark sky yeah i read that more as like a dis distribution thing which sometimes is mm -hmm. different than than the physical productions of of uh films you know oh something else i wanted to talk about i've been i watched almost all of the christmas joe bobs i could watch because yeah. there's a couple of years worth that i missed and it was just it was a lot of fun to do that actually and watching the the black christmas one yeah was cool because i learned a bunch about that movie that I didn't know. And I, I you know, I, I love learning about movies that I love and that's like one of my favorite movies. So that was very interesting. Like that, you know, uh, <laughs> like basically Margot Kidder was kind of hammered throughout most of the movie and a bit of a handful. And, yeah. you know, it just like struck me as that type of. Uh... Yeah, yeah. Uh, she was a bit of a pip as my aunt would, would say back in the day. Um, you know, things like that and about how Bob Clark, like, although he made some horror movies, he didn't really think he never thought of himself as a horror director. And, you know, uh, it's not that he had disdain for horror, but like he, he made movies the way he wanted to make them. And interesting little sidebar about like the, the Halloween and, and Black Christmas kind of apparent, like there's that tale that Halloween is technically, it's a sequel to Black Christmas, even though it isn't at all. And that's like, you know, an old wives' tale, basically. Um, and that John Carpenter took the idea from Bob Clark, which is also not true either. You know, he, uh, Joe Bob talks about all that kind of stuff. So that was really fun. Did you see uh, this year's uh, uh, Joe Bob? Oh, I did. And I, I don't know. Um, this might upset some people. But man, I did not like this year's uh, Christmas roundup. I liked, basically, I liked everything but the movies this year uh i i don't know why they chose the route to do non-christmas horror whatsoever this year which i have a funny feeling next year they will return to christmas horror yeah uh, gator bait is not a good movie not a good movie i i disagree i think gator bait is good <laughs> ice cream man on almost almost unwatchable yeah. Um, the Again, the best parts about both of those were learning about some of the things about both of those, because Ice Cream Man has a very interesting cast. Um, so I, I liked hearing about th that and how some of these people even got in the movie. Like like Olivia Hussey in that movie is just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah. Makes no sense whatsoever. Um, but yeah, I didn't really like Caterbait, and I thought I would. And it's just funny. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's funny how they got into the reasoning of why they didn't do Christmas movies this year. 
because everybody always has something to say about the Christmas movies they choose, and they both wanted to gift each other a movie this year. So I don't know. I, I mean, that was like the funnest part of it, I thought. Well, well, Gator Bait has got Joe Bob's name all over it because it's got that redneck like horror yeah. thing, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. but the you know, Ice Cream Man just fucking unwatchable, man. I, I never <laughs> liked that movie, but I have to say that the wasn't even that into it. Like she's like, oh. I have to say that Darcy has really stepped up her game as uh, almost a co-host, really. Yes, dude. I fucking love her. And she knows her shit, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's great. She really does. She is like a horror fanatic. And uh, it was interesting to learn that she has a kid. Yeah. Which you learn on the other, one of the earlier Christmas episodes. Like, it was just, I'm so happy I did that that catch up basically because i've learned a lot about a bunch of shit you know well that, that that's like the the real beauty of that show is is uh all, you know, i mean the movies are great but really i'm tuning in to, to see joe bob talk about stuff and and you know, at first yeah. it was like the novelty of having a porno actress on as a mm-hmm. you know a co-host but right. you know in the beginning she didn't say that much but now she's like way more comfortable at, and she's taken on a role of like a co-host almost yeah, and like I feel like I mean the fans love her and they they are as excited about her as they are him to a degree, yeah. um, which is really cool. And the the other thing I again I did not know was how this whole thing even came to be, like how even instrumental she is about like the ongoing you know driving show and about how she went to go see him speak at like one of his normal things, you know? <laughs> and like, that was really, I was like, wow. Like, you know, being such a fan of his from back in the day, from the old show. And like, it was like, whoa. Like how she got on the show. It was really interesting. Yeah, that's a great show. And I, I'm, you know, going to support the, support that thing, you know. We are fans here at the Necromaniacs podcast. What, one more real uh, quick yeah, thing about, um, about uh, the tonight's feature film that we talked about is, mm-hmm. You know, people throw around that term uh, elevated horror a lot, you know, and Mm -hmm. but when people say it, they're really talking about Ari Aster and stuff like that, you know, and yeah, I have to say I did not like Midsummer. I enjoyed uh, his other film, Hereditary. Yeah, but I got so much more out of this movie than either of his films. Hmm. Interesting. As far as like an, an imaginative, creative movie, I thought that. I thought Hereditary was cool, you know, it was definitely like, you know, a real film, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought uh, Midsummer was basically a movie about a, a relationship between a, a guy and a girl, and there was like, oh yeah, there's some like pagan folk horror stuff going on in Runes, and that's about it, really. I, I just, <laughs> I liked Hereditary, I mean, I loved Hereditary, I liked Midsummer more than you, but yeah. I just needed the other actors and the acting by a lot of the cast in that movie. That yeah. was like, I, I didn't care about any of her friends and her boyfriend. I just, I couldn't stand them. Like, you know, I, like, yeah. and I thought that was a bit of a drawback. Um, Hereditary is, is, gets very dark. Midsummer also to me gets quite dark. Um, super stoked for his next one. But this movie has a bit more of, that indie edge and spirit, right? And I think this one 
will, you know, all three of them, actually what they have in common is that they, they, they stay with you, you know? Yeah. This one will, I think will definitely stay with you, you know? Uh, and I, again, I, I hope uh, Jonathan uh, Quartus is, is, you know, a, a new player in the fucking game, man, because this is a great movie. Totally, man. You know, I, I you know, it's funny, the guy who played uh, in, in um, Midsummer, the, the boyfriend mm-hmm. who gets burned alive at the end. Yes. He actually played Jack Parsons in a, a short-lived two-season TV show called Strange Angel. Strange Angel? Wow, yes, and it, it, it was excellent. And he was great as Jack Parsons, you know, the guy who uh, invented rocket fuel and was like, uh, uh-huh. you know, part of, uh, you know, Aleister Crowley's, uh, you know, Thelema, like he's a Thelemic uh, practitioner. Okay. He's all, you know, like they go way into all the occult stuff too. And, um, you know, sex magic and like, you know, all this stuff. And uh, mm. sadly, it got canceled after two episodes and it ended on a fucking cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, God. Bummer. Hey, well, not, not really a cliffhanger, but it like it introduced like L. Ron Hubbard shows up at the very last scene of the second episode. And then it doesn't even and you never find out how that develops unless you know the, the, the actual story of, of uh, Jack Parsons. Wow. And see, that reminds me of the very ending of the one season only HBO show vinyl. Yeah. Where it ends when they, the day CBGB's opens up in December of 1973. And I was really kind of looking forward to seeing what, you know, 19, you know, 74 or whatever would look like or whatever they jumped to in vinyl um, and uh, it was not meant to be. I, I didn't love vinyl, but I would like to have seen more seasons, honestly. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, like w- they were able to put it to nicely wrap up the three planned seasons of The Deuce. Uh, and and I'm, I'm, I actually really liked how that ended, to be honest. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, Deuce um, is great, yeah. They ended, you know, they ended The Deuce in the modern Times Square, which is very interesting. Um, I almost would have liked some more mid or 80s period kind of stuff for maybe even like a 1993 92 episode when everything comes down kind of episode but sure. i still love what they gave us yeah I, yeah totally yeah now the way uh, james franco got canceled right no one they, we, we can't talk about him anymore is that, that how it goes well no right after that it right literally right <laughs> after that he did for a bunch of shit he did around that time and before that but now he has come out and made a very big statement and apology and talking about his sex addiction and porn addiction and cheated on every girl he's ever been with, except for the current one he's with now. And so he, you know, he made a very big mea culpa. But, yeah, he got canceled literally like right as that kind of wrapped up. I'm glad because I like James Franco's. Yeah, I like him too. I'm actually, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm rooting for him. I actually like almost... Everything I've seen that he's done, I've liked. So. When, when uh, all the controversy around him started up, part of me was like, well, what, you know, what do you expect, really? And the guy, like, he looks like, he just seems like the kind of guy that would get into that kind of trouble. You know what I'm trying to say? Well, he's always, he was always super, like, edgy and wanted to recreate the, the lost scene of cruising. <laughs> he's, you know, I mean, yeah, he's that guy, as they say, that guy, yeah. but. I'm I'm glad that you know I I hope that he's okay and I I hope that you know everything about the whole case is is okay but you know these things fucking happen I mean 
I just think, you know, it's like a very delicate thing, you know, when like with some of these actors who kind of come back after these incidents or allegations and whatnot. And it's like you kind of reserve judgment to see, you know, what's going to unfold. Yeah. You know, and, and also I'm of the mind that you can enjoy someone's work without appreciating them as an individual. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, of course, I mean, he's been in so much stuff that it's like, you know, what are they going to do? Erase everything he's ever done? I mean, that's not, you know, you don't well, do that. But... Well, that's not fair either because all the motherfuckers that worked on it. It's like, you're going to, because right. one guy exactly. fucks up, you're going to erase all the work that all the cameramen, craft services, best boy grip, you know, fucking uh, other you know, actors. Other actors. <laughs> like suddenly they get to, you know, they, they suffer from it too. It's true. That is true. That is true, man. It, it's all, it, it's a whole, you know, thing around each one of these things so yeah but uh yeah this was a good episode mr hill yeah. we talked about a lot of stuff yeah oh totally man and thanks everyone for listening and um you know yeah we're, we're looking forward to getting into 2022 and uh yeah weekly and 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 not as sickly as we ended 2021 yeah we're gonna try <laughs> to stay healthy this year gonna stay healthy man. <laughs> so, you know taking extra vitamin c and yeah. vitamin d and you know things like that. All righty. We'll see you all next time. Necromaniacs. Cheers. Take, take care, well. everyone. And happy New Year. Yes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Take care, everybody.